0: To the depths of the sea.
1: There's no record of him, in fact there is no record, of David doing what he should have done by the law, and even as a father, he just kind of, it says he's angry, but he does absolutely nothing, and probably because David himself, having just come off his major sin issue, and still very wounded about that, he doesn't find it within his own heart to Bring judgment upon his own son, who's guilty of nearly the same thing.
0: Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Oh, powerful, untamable. With- Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Who is told every where it go? When David heard about what happened between Amnon and Tamar, the Scripture says he was angry. David was right to be angry. But he didn't do anything either to protect Tamar or to correct Amnon. It may be that David was conscious of his own guilt in a similar matter and therefore felt a lack of moral authority to discipline his own son. David could have said to Amnon, I know the evil that results when we don't restrain our lusts and affections. This is something you must address and conquer in God's strength. However, it was a grave miscalculation on David's part not to address the problem. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he reviews chapter 13.
1: Good evening again. If you could please open your Bibles to Second Samuel. We're going to be finishing up chapter 13 and getting into chapter 14 this evening. This is a, uh, these two chapters, as we've been going through the life of David, uh, have been very difficult. You know, it's hard to see somebody like David, or anybody for that matter, to go through what he has gone through, and and much of it he brought on himself. They were the, the consequences of his sin, and the Bible makes it very clear that our sin will find us out. Our sin will find us out. And left unchecked, um, God will bring it to pass. God will make sure that. Um, hey, Mark, could we just turn that, um, just getting a little bit of a, maybe just turn it down the gain just a slight bit? Thank you. And. Um, And just to see what he has gone through and what he's going to go through yet is is very difficult. These are difficult passages. And what it does is it forces us to see these things and and, and to know that they happen in in this man's life. And can I tell you, in spite of all of King David's mistakes, his his adultery, his murder, his deceit, uh, in spite of all those things, what really differentiates David from, say, a character like Saul is the fact that David repented. You know, if you make a mistake, if you sin and you, you really mess up, you know, the Bible is true, with, with the, the promise. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if you believe that, and, and, and if we do repent, truly, we can go on and, and walk with the Lord and, be, and walk in newness of life. And do you know that even the guilt of those things, we can lay at the feet of Jesus? Because to the extent that I really believe that he died for my sin is the extent to which I can forget. I, can, and, and I, I mean, we can't forget things, but if I can lay them at his feet and, and believe that he has forgiven me based on his blood, on his merit, not my own, my life becomes so much more fruitful because I'm not constantly being bludgeoned over my head by my own feelings telling me, well, you're not worthy, you're not good enough. Are those things true? Of course. I'm not worthy. I don't uh, um, expect these things, nor do I deserve them. But to know that God has forgiven me and that he wishes for me to walk on from that moment to know that I've been forgiven and then to no longer do it. But if if we do it again, don't let the enemy or even your own self condemn you. You do what the Bible says. Confess it and be clean of it. And you pray to the Holy Spirit of God that he will work that out in your life. That you will turn away from that. The gift of repentance is such a sweet and wonderful gift. And it's a gift that I pray that we all ask for. That we would be willing to repent often. (laughs) And that it would be a lasting repentance. Not just something I say, Lord, I did it again. Please forgive me. And does he forgive you? Yes. But you know what? Uh, My question to you and myself and to anybody who is an earshot of this is, do I really mean that? Or is, is the forgiveness of God just a rabbit's foot that I rub and I uh, you know, expect forgiveness and then I, I don't have any intention on changing? That's a very dangerous place. That's abusing grace. That's not understanding grace. Most people think that grace is you know, licensed to continue in their sin and that, oh, God's a God of grace, he'll just forgive me. Yes, he will forgive you, but he takes your sin very seriously, and so should you, so should I. I should never be footloose and fancy free with sin. And I'm not saying David was, because he wasn't. And that is the difference. David, when he sinned, he cracked like an egg and he repented, and it was a done deal. And that's why the Bible could say that he was a man after God's own heart. And there's a difference, because a man like Saul never sought God in, in, in earnest, and his life ended miserably. He never really sought the Lord. He was never obedient he was always doing things his own way and finally it got the best of him. But David was not of that ilk. <laughs> David was very different. And are you different than that? Do you take your sin lightly? Or do you like David say, "Lord, I messed up on this really bad and I am done with this sin." I pray that we all get to that place. If we, you know, if we haven't gotten there, hopefully we will get there. But remember, God is a God of grace, and he's a God of love, but don't abuse that. As a Christian, let's never abuse that grace. And so we looked at the beginning of um, 2 Samuel chapter 13, and it was a very difficult passage because we learned of a, an event that occurred in the life of Amnon. Amnon, if you remember, was David's firstborn son when David first began to rule over Judah and Hebron. And as a result of being the firstborn, you know, he had certain rights and he was looked up to. And he also had a other brothers. We know that David had six sons from six different women, different wives that he had. And Amnon and Absalom were from two different mothers, the same father, David, but with two different mothers. And Absalom had a very beautiful young sister. Her name was Tamar. And you recall what happened that Amnon was so sick in lust, the Bible says in love, but the Hebrew the Hebrew word for love is ahab. And Hebrew unfortunately doesn't have all the facets of like the Greek language per se, where they translate love in English, but in the Greek it can be it can mean five or six different Greek words depending on the context of love. I love my car, but I also love my wife. There's a big difference, and I love God, right? And so there's a you know in context, there's a difference. The Greek spells that out, but in Hebrew, only the context of the passage can tell you. But we know that Amnon was not really in love with his sister because she was very beautiful to look on. He was in lust with her. And it says that he was so distressed over her that he became ill. Now this, to me, is a very dangerous place for any young man or any woman, but more often we hear it in young men, just being so filled with lust and not able to contain it that they, they want a woman so bad that they're willing to do anything for her. That's called idolatry, by the way, right? They want her so bad and she's so beautiful, he must have her. And I can, I can speak frankly because we're all adults in this room. Wanted her so bad, that he became ill. He began to get thin, actually. He began to lose weight because of his lust. And he began to share this with his cousin, Jonadab. Jonadab was the son of one of David's brothers. Shammah was one of David's brothers, and Shammah had a son named Jonadab. So here are these two cousins. Jonadab was a very crafty man. He hatched this plan. He says, Amnon, if you really want Tamar, your half-sister... Here's what you do. Feign to be ill. Go into your room and ask the king, David, ask your father to tell me you're really ill and, and that you need Tamar to come and, and, and cook cakes in front of you, you know, uh, biscuits, and and, and and have her cook, you know, make them right in your presence, and then have her feed you, and then, you know, go from there. And so Jonadab hatches this evil plot, plants this evil idea in his cousin's mind. And, of course, his cousin's like, That sounds like a great idea. And so that's exactly what he does. And so finally he gets her into the room and she's making the cakes. Finally, uh, Amnon tells everybody, being the eldest son of King David, he had servants and attendants. He told them to all leave. Red flag number one. Now he's alone with this young girl. Probably 17, 16, 17, 18 years old. And then he goes into the bedroom, and he has her come into the bedroom. And then she makes the cakes. And I love what this young lady, the discernment, and the, and the Bible mentions this little thing, and it's, it's so telling. I believe she began to pick up on something because she takes the pan, and she cooks the cakes in them, and she hands them out to Amnon for him to take and eat. But he wouldn't eat because he wanted to be hand-fed by her. So finally, she acquiesces. She gets close, and he basically tells her that he wants to lie with her. She refuses, naturally, because it was against the law, even in Hebrew law, for a brother and a sister to have intimate relations. They weren't married. She wasn't a spouse to anybody. She wasn't engaged or anything like that. But she was the king's daughter, half-daughter. And Amnon, in spite of her pushback on Amnon... He forces her and lies with her, and then to make matters worse, the love that the Bible says that he had for her goes out the window. Now he hates her. Does that sound like familiar today? Does that sound like uh, those soap operas that maybe you've sat and watched, and the you know as the stomach churns? No, as the world turns, as the the blinding light. Oh no, the guiding light. You know these these soap operas, and it's all about you know lust and intrigue and murder, and it's all here in these two chapters. But this is real stuff. And why is it here anyway? Is it to shame David? No, the Bible says that these things are written for our admonition, for our teaching, for our learning, and some of them are downright uncomfortable to read and to study and to look at. But if we're honest, we see this all around. And even some of you in this room have had... Perhaps an issue in your life with somebody close in your family, a physical interaction that you would love to forget. But know that God is a God of forgiveness. even if, Especially if it's not your fault. And even if it is your fault, God forgives. But have you confessed? Are you willing to do that? And to think... And then to make matters worse, he kicks her out of his house and she runs and she's wearing this multicolored robe, a very colorful robe, which the king's daughters would wear. And she tears her robe. She's crying. She's got, she puts ashes on her head. She's running out into the street. Everybody's looking at her. And what did, by Amnon kicking her out, what this makes it look like, it makes it look like she is the one who is the instigator that Amnon was somehow, you know, discovered her, and maybe she came on to him, and he decided, hey, I'm not about that, <laughs> wink, wink, right? I'm not, I'm not like that. And then he kicks her out, and that's what it looks like, because normally they would stay until the, the cover of darkness, and then she would leave, but Amnon kicks her out, making her to look like the instigator in this whole thing ruins her reputation does that sound familiar why is it always the young ladies even when i was in high in high school middle school it was always the young ladies who had you know if they had a brush with some testosterone-laden teenage boy <laughs> it was always the girl who had the problem got the reputation, and the young man looked like some stallion that all the boys looked up to, but it was always the young ladies who had to bear the burden of their reputation afterwards. Isn't that horrible? Nothing has really changed, and I love that about the Bible, that it doesn't candy coat these things. And can I tell you that David, David, in spite of all his faults, is in glory. He's in heaven right now. And the Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 34 that God, when, when the Lord, um, at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, which is still yet future to us, obviously, that God is going to resurrect David and he is going to serve in Jerusalem in a very official capacity in spite of those sins. So how do you feel tonight? You know, most of us have never committed murder, at least not in the physical most of us have never committed adultery, perhaps, but maybe we have with our eyes, or maybe we have physically. And yet, God can forgive. Have you asked him for forgiveness? Are you one with Christ? Are you trying to, or are you trying to work it out yourself and just forget about the past? Let me suggest to you to, to get right with the Lord tonight. If there's anything of your past that you have not disclosed to him, disclose it. Disclose it. You'll feel wonderfully better if you do. And so, she uh, Amnon kicks her out of his house. Tamar's destroyed. And in verse twenty-one of chapter thirteen, it says something really telling. It says, "But when David heard of all these things, when David heard of his son, his firstborn son, okay, that's a big deal of what he did. Notice what happened." He heard all these things, and he was very angry. That's it. He was very angry. There's no record of him. In fact, there is no record of David doing what he should have done by the law. And even as a father, he just kind of, it says he's angry, but he does absolutely nothing. And probably because David himself, having just come off his major sin issue and still very wounded about that, He doesn't find it within his own heart to bring judgment upon his own son, who's guilty of nearly the same thing. David didn't rape Bathsheba, but he took her unlawfully, just like Amnon took Tamar unlawfully. And God spared David's life, even though he deserved death by the law. And I wonder what would happen, how this whole story that we're going to read, it's not a story, this whole event, how it would have changed if David had just, as a father, if he just stood up and said, you know what, son, I know I've messed up, and everybody knows I've messed up. My sin is before everyone, but here's the, day. Here's the deal. You know what you did was wrong, and we have to deal with this. Now, maybe he would have been spared his life, even though the law demanded death. Maybe he would have been spared, but there was no mention of it. It was almost like just pushing under the rug. Does that sound familiar? It does. There's a lot of that happening. Leviticus tells us this concerning Amnon, concerning his rape of Tamar. It says, the nakedness, Leviticus 18.11, it says, the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, begotten by your father, she is your sister, you shall not uncover her nakedness. And it even goes further in the 29th verse of that same chapter in Leviticus, it says, for whoever commits any of these abominations, the person who commits them shall be cut off, literally be put to death from among their people. So this was a serious, serious breach. And it is today. And even though this chapter is really concerning Amnon and Tamar and Absalom, we have to remember the prophecy that God had given to Nathan, David's prophet, to give to David. And let me read it to you. It's just a page probably to your left. It's in chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. Notice what God told Nathan to tell David. This is what God was saying to David. He says, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's wives, and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have also given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the people of Amnon. And notice now, therefore, here's the consequence of the sin. The Bible says that there is always a consequence. For the wages of sin is what? It's death. The wages of sin is death. Maybe not a physical death, sometimes it is, but a death to relationships, a death to a marriage, a death to a friendship, a death of guilt inside that you can't even live with yourself anymore because you've done something. Notice here's the consequence. Now therefore, God says to David, the sword will never depart from your house. Because you have despised me, and you've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son, for you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel, before the son. And so there's the prophecy that God gives. And the painful thing that we're going to see as we begin here in the 22nd, 23rd verse of chapter 13 onward for several chapters is we're going to be seeing that prophecy being meted out. It's going to be carried out by God, and he's going to see fit that David, although forgiven, he's forgiven and he knows it, but there's consequences. And boy, are they painful. Are you going through... Pro- consequences because of something you've done in your past are you currently going through something a consequence from something in your past God may forgive you and he can and hopefully he has but he doesn't allow us to just skate by and act like nothing ever happened and there's something about that that I think is really important because the pain that we go through As a result of sin, as a result of bad choices, there's a reaping of that. And doesn't that teach us? Isn't that the chastening hand of the Lord? Nobody likes to talk about that, but God does. He chastens those whom he loves. And why does he do it? Just because he's a mean God? No, because I don't know about you, but I don't learn when I'm going through, when everything is just fine. I, I don't learn when things are going fine and there's no consequences. I learn, I respond really well to pain. Maybe you're different than me. Sometimes I respond and I'm obedient to God and I don't experience pain because I'm obedient to him. And other times, I, I, for some silly reason, I have to go through the school of Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks University, HKU, I go through the hard knocks because I don't listen. So we're going to see that. And one thing I think you will see too is I I would encourage you to read these chapters. We're going to be cruising along here, especially when we get into chapter 14. But I want you to think as you read this, as we read this together and go through this, and as you read it privately Put yourself into the shoes of these different characters and really think about the dynamic of the family. Think about the position that Amnon was in. Think about the position that Tamar was in. Picture in your mind these things. Put them in their proper understanding of where they are in the family. And
0: I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel.